Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo is always joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. You know what I'm going to ask you. Download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, so that you could have access to all of our station's content, not just a couple of Italian guys from New Jersey, um, and share it with your friends. Uh, remember, we are an EWTN affiliate, so you get EWTN content plus Bishop Caggiano, Joe and Joe, and others. Um, and if you like what Joe and I do, we have our commentary show that we do live on social media on Monday nights, and you can find us primarily at The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube, The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. And today we're very pleased and honored to be joined by Jeremy Christensen. And we're going to be discussing his new book out from Ignatius Press, From the Susquehanna to the Tiber, um, a conversion from Mormonism to the Roman Catholic Church. I think, hold on, my my, my computer screen, a memoir of a conversion uh, from Mormonism to the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, some of you out there uh, might know Jeremy. Having said that, I'm going to give a brief bio. Jeremy Christensen was born and raised in the small Mormon town of Blanding, Utah. He converted to Roman Catholicism in 2018, a graduate of Southern Utah University and the S.J. Quinney College of Law at the University of Utah. He lives in Alexandria, Virginia, with his wife and six children and practices law in Washington, D.C. Jeremy Christensen, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with both of you. Thanks for having well, me. On. Absolutely. We're excited to have the conversation. Jeremy, I'll tell you this. Um, we, we don't do many pure conversion interviews, okay? But one of the reasons why Joe and I uh, love to do these kinds of interviews amongst others is that we learn as much as our audience, okay? Because there are so many, and we'll get into it too, not just with Catholics, certainly with Mormons, evangelicals, you know, all sorts of people. There's always the stereotype OK, but underneath it all, we have to remember we're talking about people. OK, and people have their journeys and we learn a lot. All right. About what's going on uh, with people of, of other faiths. And it gives us an understanding that I think is important to have as Catholics. So thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation uh, with that. I'm going to hand it over to Joe Rissanello and we'll get rocking. We always start with a prayer, Jeremy, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, but for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. It's funny, Jeremy. Joe's talking about like conversion stories. I feel like I'm Marcus Grodi. I was a big, I'm a big fan of the show. He's like, okay, I'm gonna step back and uh, get out of your way and just let you kind of. <laughs> I watched the show a million times. Yeah. Have you ever been on a show? 
Uh, so I'm I'm uh, supposed to go on a journey home in early January. We've we've uh, been in talks and are, are trying to pin down a schedule. Because so. I think his son's doing it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was I was a big fan of the show, but that's how he always kind of like segues into it. I'm gonna get out of the way. <laughs> the problem with that, Jeremy, is Joe and I have are, are we we have big mouths and, and we can't kind of get out of the way. <laughs> um, but we'll try. We'll try. And my problem is once you skim me going, I, I I have a hard time shutting up. So oh, it's all right. good. Join the club, brother. Join the club. You're more than you're you're really at home here. Uh, Joe Resinello, where do you want to start? Well, I, I will start a little bit to give us uh, some background on the Mormon faith. I mean, I used to teach RCIA, and I do know um, when I taught it that certain baptisms are acknowledged by the church and some are not. I know the Mormon baptism is not. I think that's a good starting point because a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that and, until I started to teach RCIA. Give us a little background, what you guys believe why that baptism is not recognized by the church, whereas, say, the Southern Baptists, if you're baptized, it is it is recognized. I think that's a good point, and then we can kind of go into some other aspects of the conversation. Yeah, sure. So it is, it is pretty interesting, uh, because <clears throat> if you were to um, just walk into the room when uh, a Mormon baptism occurs, if you, if you were to go back in time and see when I was baptized uh, when I was eight years old— uh, you would have heard uh, the the officiant say, uh, Jeremy Max Christensen, having been authorized of Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And he would immerse you in water and pull you out. <clears throat> uh, and you would think that you right there had Trinitarian form and proper matter. And so th that is what the church uh, looks to generally is that there is their proper form and proper matter. Uh, and the reason, so some of this was explained um, by the CDF, I believe in 2007. So someone submitted a dubia uh, to the Vatican that said, are Mormon baptisms valid? And the answer came back, no. And the explanation really gets into the question of, of what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints means when it says that they believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and that what they mean by those terms is very, very different from what the Catholic Church or really any Nicene Christianity understands by the same, you know, terms, by the same persons, Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. And it, it gets down to Mormonism being... Uh, not just not Trinitarian, uh, but depending on how you look at it, Mormonism is either a polytheistic or what is called henotheistic, henotheism. Um, and, and it kind of depends on maybe different strains within Mormon theological thought. But uh, for Mormons, it is not that uh, there is one divine nature that subsists in three distinct persons, but rather the Father is a completely separate being an entity in any way, shape, or form from the Son, they don't share a nature. That's really the key point, and nor does the Holy Spirit. They're all gods. That, um, And so on the Mormon view, there there is more than one God. And, uh, you know, the question is, do they worship just the Father, or do they worship more than just the Father? And that's where it breaks down as either polytheistic or henotheistic. And, uh, of course, within Mormon theology, uh, the kind of the real point is that not only 
is are, is there more than one God? Uh, but all of us, if if you if you live true to the teachings of Mormonism, you can become a God, uh, and so that there there are a plurality of gods, potentially you know an infinite number of gods, and that that is sort of the core conception of of how Mormons conceive of our purpose on earth and and what God has in store for the faithful in eternity is to become. Uh, a god yourself, and so that that distinction, which is obviously, I think, to, to most Catholics, um, uh, should be readily apparent. How big the gap is there between uh, what Catholics and other Christians mean when they say, "I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit," and what members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints or Mormons mean when they say the same words. Thank you for that, Jeremy Christensen, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing his conversion from Mormonism to the Catholic faith, his new book, From the Susquehanna to the Tiber, a memoir of conversion from Mormonism to the Roman Catholic Church. Jeremy, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, if you go by popular culture, um, I like to think that they're merciless when it comes to, or I think Christians in general, particularly Mormons. Um, and I think it's unfair. I don't really know anything more. Let's just say not much about Mormonism. What I do know from what I've heard, Joe's had more experience than me with this, but that Mormons are, are good people. Their communities are communities you'd want to live in. Um, because, because fundamentally they strive as we all should to live moral lives. They're not like this these monsters that Hollywood would yeah. make them out to be. And I, it's just completely, completely unfair and uncharitable. Um, so I'd like to focus a little bit on what it was like, uh, if you would tell our audience at the Veritas Catholic Network, what was it like growing up as a Mormon in a small Mormon town in Utah? Yeah, you know, honestly, uh, I, I would say, you know, with caveats that everybody has difficult times growing up here and there, no matter matter who you are. Uh, I had a really great childhood and was raised in a really wonderful family by very devout parents, uh, very good and kind and loving parents uh, who made faith a a central part of our life. We went to church every Sunday. We said prayers as a family every morning and every night. We read from the Book of Mormon every day as a family. We participated together in in other church activities during the week and the young men's and young women programs that, that that they do. And, you know, there's a really strong sense of community. I still, you know, love and am very fond of my, my very small hometown and it, and uh, Utah in general, I always say, you know, I'm um, uh, born in the United States, but uh, by the grace of God hailed from Utah. And it's a wonderful, wonderful place full of wonderful, wonderful people. And, you know, there are often unfair um, depictions in the media of members of the church. And certainly, like any institution, not everything in its history is is necessarily rosy. Um, uh, and, uh, and the same could be said, you know, for the Catholic Church. Obviously, not everything in, in the history of of uh, people who who were Catholic is is necessarily positive. But um, you know, I grew up in knowing and, and into my adult life as I was raising my family. Anywhere I went, anywhere in the country, I knew that if I needed, if I moved somewhere, I was brand new in an area. I knew there was someone I could call, and they would help me move in. 
you know, when my uh, wife would have a baby, I knew that there were people who were going to help, you know, bring meals over and see what they could do. And, you know, those are really strong, positive aspects of LDS faith and culture that that are admirable. And and I, I, I will say this, too, as just a um, not to be not to be critical of Catholics, but I, I will say, you know, the first time I, I went to mass when I first decided I would go check out a mass and I was thinking about becoming Catholic, I probably went to mass for a couple of months, at least every week without anybody approaching me and saying hello or hi, or how are you? Nice to meet you. Uh, you could never ever in any circumstance, (laughs) uh, walk into an LDS meeting house on a Sunday as a person, you know, not known, to, to everybody in the room without them introducing themselves and reaching out to you in some way. I'm glad you brought it's that up. You're spot on. <laughs> you are spot on. And, and like, it's funny you say that. Um, my wife is Haitian American. Uh, my wife and Joe's wife are sisters. He's my brother-in-law. Um, and we go to a Polish church, mm-hmm. ironically. Um, you know, I'm Italian. My wife, you know, is... Uh, person of color and she's you know haitian american you know and we go to a polish american church catholic but a lot of poles and it's funny you say that because recently a young indian couple they must have moved to town and they've been coming to our parish and they sit not too far from us Uh, they haven't run away i have five kids so that's a good sign because my kids i wish they behaved (laughs) as well as they should Uh, so they still they sit near us you know and i said to my wife i'm like Something like the priest like should come down and be like, like, I'm not I don't want to get into priest bashing. But to your point, it makes perfect sense. You see a couple there. They're clearly not like everybody else, like just in terms of appearance. Be like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? You're like, I almost felt like obligated to do it, but they might think I'm like a weirdo. You know what I mean? Like, but well, you are. No, I am. (laughs) But 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 it's, you know, like, like it just to be like, welcome. You know what I'm saying? Like we could do so much better when it comes. And this was a question later on, but we could talk about it now. Like fellowship. You talk about like the different groups. I always say this and and, and I don't want to get into a Catholic. I mean, I'm Catholic. I'll always be Catholic. Um, But like we have everything, the Catholic Church. We have Christ. We have the sacraments and we just don't use it. I mean, we could do so much better when it comes to like fellowship. We wrote, uh, let's talk about that. Let's, because I think this is a great like conversation because I think if we did that, um, we'd be stronger. And, and frankly, it, it hurts us. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a fair point. I acknowledge it. Yeah, I think, you know, so I, I want to say as a shout out to my own parish that, uh, that, that I was very pleasantly surprised, and my wife too, in coming into, you know, we we are really blessed and fortunate to live in a wonderful parish with a really strong sense of community, a, a strong school where our kids go. And, and so we found where we're at now, a, a good model that really feels pretty similar in so many ways of people's level of being involved and active and uh, so, you know, I, I do want to acknowledge kind of the the good side of that. Again, so we just we actually just had our seventh child um, oh, just a couple you. of weeks ago. God bless you. Thank you. And, you know, 
immediately we've got we've got uh, women from the parish calling us up saying, when can we start bringing meals by your house? And, you know, so I, I think that those sorts of things are really strong because we live in a world that is so fractured in so many ways and, and, and people lose a sense of community, right? But that's, that's like the whole idea of, of Catholicism, that we are in communion with one another. Like we are the body of Christ. We are in communion with one another. And, and that's an important idea that I think uh, I agree, you know, Catholics could really build on a lot better than they do. Um, you know, particularly, how do you solve that? I don't know, because I think of my parish as well. It's, it's pretty big. Uh, any, any given Sunday, it's, it's quite a lot of people. And I will also say I really enjoy uh, the reverence uh, of our parish. I would say there's not a, a particularly strong habit of people speaking to one another inside inside the sanctuary. Um, it really is a place of prayer and 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 reverence. But uh, you know, I, I just think that there are good lessons to be learned from from LDS people in terms of being open about your faith about talking about the fact that, you know, with people you interact with, about talking about the fact that you're Catholic, uh, and with just, you know, being open, reaching out. When you see somebody uh, asking, you know, say hello, say hello to people, right? People gather out, you know, out in the vestibule or outside on the church steps, and it's a great place to to get to know, to get to know people and, um you know, our coffee and donuts is a pretty happening place after mass at our parish. And I, I think those are, I think those are good things uh, that Catholics should strive to do more often. Actually, Absolutely. Joe, let me just t touch on Go this. Ahead. Go ahead, Joe. I, um, I've worked in Utah. Uh, I probably spent about a month, two different trips. And I, I, I flew down from Salt Lake to St. George, which is, I know, it, you, are you from, you're from St. George? Or you're from I, I'm from the other side of the state, but I went to, I went to university just north of St. George, and I, I've been to St. George. Beautiful, by yeah. the way. You know, yeah. and the people really were nice. I mean, like, I'm from New Jersey. People, like, snarl at you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like, I go shopping. Like, people, like, you know, they'll snarl at you. Uh, I mean, like, I was blown away. I was blown away a uh, couple things, like you said. I remember the, the gentleman who ran the office. I was an auditor. He was, like, he asked me about, like, my faith, you know what I mean, which is unheard of in business circles. Also, I remember one of the women there, I you know, she was, like, 20 and she was married you know yeah. like at the time i was probably in my early 30s i was single and i was taken aback by that you know like 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 i was just like wow you know you're a really young woman and you're married i admire that i admire i live near Hasidic jews um i admire them tremendously their sense of community my wife and i just drove through a community uh t-neck in new jersey and it was saturday Three generations of families walking together to mass. I mean, to to to, to synagogue. I was like, my, she, my wife, actually said, "This is beautiful. We just don't use what we have. We should be doing that." Like I say this, you know, like all the time. The parish should be that. We have everything, and we don't like we get outdone like by so many different groups. 
I'll tell you. I'll tell you another way. Let Let's keep it moving, Jeremy. Uh, just to uh, I, well, Jeremy Christensen is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, let's talk about some things that that we could take from from other faiths. Okay, mission. My first cousin married a, a Mormon gentleman. All right, years ago, mm-hmm. um, and their kids grew up Mormon. I remember my little cousin. I haven't seen him in years, but I remember saying, "Well, I'm going on mission for a couple of years." Like the heck is that what do you mean you're going on and you did too um and that's part of the mormon faith now in fairness to my brother-in-law joe resinello uh he's done a lot of travel all right calcutta and haiti and and all these places to to basically go on mission but that's part of a mormon upbringing uh correct me if i'm wrong and you spent two years in argentina what is that like yeah so it, it is um uh, going and, and being a missionary is a really important part, uh, particularly for for young men in uh, the Mormon religion. And yeah, I spent two years in Argentina in uh, what was called the Buenos Aires North Mission. So that was the capital city, a little bit of uh, the sort of suburban metropolitan sprawl to the north of the city, and then also the Patagonia. We had the southern tip of the Patagonia for administrative reasons. It was just easier to get down there from the capital than anywhere else. And I think that was such a formative time for me. I obviously have some trepidation about the fact that I spent two years largely converting people who were either, I think, almost certainly all lapsed Catholics, uh, you know, away from the Catholic faith. But it, it was such a formative and positive experience and one that really ingrained the faith into me. And I, I've always thought that... Um, that Catholics could probably learn something from that experience in uh, in a number of ways. It's a it's a big process of maturing. Going off, I mean, Europe. You don't. <clears throat> at least when I was there, you got to call home twice a year, Christmas and Mother's Day. Uh, you wrote a letter every week or an email every week, but you spend every single day off with you know pretty strict rules and stopping people on the street strangers every day standing up in you know parks and on buses and trains and knocking on people's doors and just trying to share with them what you believe is true and i i think that there that that does something very good for mormon youth and i definitely think is something that catholics ought to think about about replicating um as as something that people could go do and that really builds them and and allows you you know you think about you think about Vatican II you think about some of the important ideas about the role of the laity about recognizing the mission of the church to evangelize in the modern world a world that is that is very different from what the world looked like hundreds of years ago that that uh, you know people are secularizing people are falling away from religion and we have to sort of recover this evangelizing spirit and and i think that there you know is something to be to be drawn from that of having people go and do that kind of work and even you know within mormonism another another way in which they have something similar but different and that helps build community is they have a program used to be called the home teaching program it's called something else now i don't know and while it's got some defects in that you're kind of assigning people to be friends with people, <laughs> um, 
there there is something good there in that there was a, a pretty systematized way of members to watch over one another and know and visit with people who they know aren't you know coming to church. My dad used to go and visit a guy who you know um, his name was Art Rogers. God rest his soul. He passed away many years ago, but he drank a whole lot. He was he was an alcoholic. He smoked a whole lot. Both you know both things are are not okay in Mormonism. <laughs> And, you know, he lived in a trailer on the outskirts of town. And my dad would go and all, and visit him once a month and see how he was doing and encourage him. And, and you know, th there's a program for sort of reaching out to people who don't actively participate. And obviously, that that's a huge area for Catholics, right? Apart from people who, who have never heard anything about Christ or who have not been baptized. And th that's one set of things that need to be addressed. But another are, are simply lapsed Catholics. I think former Catholics is probably the largest, if if not the largest growing, you know, religion in America and certainly in the West. And so I think also there, there are lessons to be learned uh, from Mormonism in terms of how the church itself can look after, you know, the church needs to convert people who are not Christian to the Catholic faith, but it also needs to reawaken that faith in the untold, you know, <laughs> millions and millions and millions and millions of of lapsed catholics who are not Yo, i i, I want to tell you like um i encountered two young kids like that once i'll tell you a funny story i was in basel switzerland i backpacked before i went to graduate school i was 28 years old i just landed in in the town and these like two kids 19 come up to me and at the time i was pretty solidly into my faith you know I'm, I'm catholic you know i went to mass and they were mormons on a mission on in switzerland and they approached me i had a backpack i probably looked like a hippie they probably thought i was some drugged out like lunatic um mm -hmm. wandering the streets of Swiss, you know switzerland so they came up to me and they you know they gave me their spiel and i, I listened you know i was just like listen guys you know i'm catholic you know i'm pretty you know solid in that um but if you want, I'll hang out with you today. You want, because I was by myself. If you want to kick around, you're kicking around. And we spent the whole day together. They were nice kids. Again, I was very impressed. And I, the one kid was like a farmer from Canada. And he says to me, he's like, God, he was so like innocent. Like, like I, you know, I'm, I, I was like a fairly worldly guy, grew up 10 miles outside of New York. My eyes are wide open, you know, and he's like, gosh. If I wasn't here, this is what he says to me. He's like, I'd be on my father's tractor plowing a field of rye. I'm like, I swear. I was like, rye? <laughs> I'm like, I'm from New Jersey. I eat pastrami on rye. What the heck is that? Like, I was, but he was, he was so sincere. I was blown away. I always remember them. They were Any so nice. Any, any, anytime, like, like we always get like, you know, like a th two or three people, young kids. Like when I was living at my mom's for some reason, there was, there was like Mormon, uh, Mormons coming up to my mom's front door and knocking, Hey, do you, you know, Jesus and, and everything else. And I'm, I'm a troublemaker when it comes to <laughs> that, you know, like you knock on my door, you know, um, it, you know, especially like the Jehovah's witnesses and things like that. I promise you, I'm a troublemaker. I really am with these kids. They were so sweet. I couldn't do it. They're I, so know, nice. I, I actually like offered them some iced tea or something and had a, yeah. like Joe, I had a conversation. Um, but let's, um, Jeremy, we, like I said, Jeremy, I told you, you're going to get caught up in a conversation here. <laughs> We're a couple of big mouths. We do want to, we do want to get into some, a little bit more, uh, 
uh, deeper conversation uh, about your conversion. Um, and, but we are coming up to a break. Uh, real quick, Jeremy, the name of the book and where people could buy it again, and then we'll go to a break. Yeah, the book is From the Susquehanna to the Tiber, a memoir of conversion from Mormonism to the Roman Catholic Church. You can pick it up from Ignatius Press at their website uh, or any other major retailer where books are sold. Yep. And as we, our audience already knows what I'm going to say, Jeremy, it's like, I'm going to tell everybody, don't buy it from anybody other than Ignatius. Let's support <laughs> our Catholic publishers. And do you have any social media, Jeremy, where folks could follow you? Uh, uh, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. Um, so you can find me on Twitter. My, my handle is at tradvat2. And All right. uh, you can find me there. Sounds like a plan. So, uh, so Jeremy's with us here. Um, Jeremy Christensen, and we're at the front line with Joe and Joe and the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Jeremy, when we come back, want to talk a little bit about maybe, maybe uh, how, maybe uh, inciting incident for how your conversion started. So everybody out there, it's going to be a great segment. So stick around. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with Jeremy Christensen, and we're discussing his new book, Out from Ignatius Press, From the Susquehanna to the Tiber, a memoir of conversion from Mormonism to the Catholic Church. So I, I have a question, Jeremy. Um, you wrote in the book, or you noted that as time went on, <clears throat> excuse me, because um, you obviously laid the foundation for our, our audience about your upbringing as a Mormon and mission and everything else, but you became a little unsettled. Um, about the Mormon faith? Was there a particular event, series of events? What occurred there that, that kind of challenged you a little bit? Yeah, so it, it's really a series of events, kind of two overlapping uh, events that, that were going on, both when I was in law school. So at this point, I'm, I'm married, I have four children, and I'm very busy uh, volunteering in church activities. So all of except for the very sort of upper echelon of Mormonism, the leaders of the church, the day-to-day, -day, every congregation is led by the laity. Uh, so there's a bishop of a ward, but that person is just an ordinary member who's called to do that for a certain period of time, and then someone else is called to do it. My dad was a bishop of our, you know, of our ward, our congregation. And so I was serving in a, in a pretty um, heavy responsibility position at that time. I'm going to law school all day long and studying and and things are pretty hectic and difficult. And when I got called to one of these positions, one of the religious leaders who who did it, they they um they often do sort of a ceremony where they put their hands on your head and they kind of pronounce an extemporaneous blessing and and those things are taken really seriously. You know, to me that was it, it's like revelation from God speaking to me right there about what I need to hear. And and he, you know, made some pretty specific kind of promises and said some things, and they all felt right. They felt the same way that I always had felt that I knew that Mormonism was true, that Mormonism is really based around this experience of praying and feeling that it's true. 
uh, based off of just, you know, feel it in my heart that, that it's true. And, but, but those things didn't work out. And it really caused a lot of cognitive dissonance for me. And, and it set me off. I, I actually got depressed at the time. You know, there were a lot of contributing factors, not sleeping well, not taking care of myself, really busy with all of this stuff kind of converges. So, and, and so I'm a little bit having, you know, I think everybody has moments like this, um, you know, asking God, why, why is this happening? You know, I'm really having a hard time processing this and, and, and trying to understand why is this sensation, this feeling I have that something was true clearly not right, but that's really kind of the basis of how I've built what I believe up to this point. Um, and at the same time, there's a second set of events going on, which is that there's sort of something in the air in, in the Mormon world between 2011 to 2014 or 15, where there's a lot of news of people leaving the LDS church in kind of big numbers, people resigning their membership and citing historical difficulties, problems in early Mormon history. And there were some high profile excommunications of people who kind of explored these sorts of things that were reported in the New York Times, kind of a lot of this going on. And in an intellectual environment like law school in Salt Lake City, where the church is sort of the elephant in the room, no matter what, there's a lot of talk of these of these kinds of things. And to maybe get out ahead of that problem that was that's really caused by the internet, you know, with the with the advent of the internet, members of the LDS Church could find lots of information about early Mormonism that they might have never heard before, that was in relatively obscure sources, and the church published a series of essays trying to kind of get out ahead of this, where they admitted a lot of things that weren't really admitted in the past about Joseph Smith, about the Book of Mormon about other sets of, of Mormon scripture, about the practice of polygamy, and and said things in a very new way, trying to kind of, you know, work through and maybe provide a more nuanced path for Mormons to reconcile with those things. But they were pretty shocking to hear the church admit to a number of things that when I grew up, those you you heard those things and thought they were either lies kind of spread by enemies of the church um or were just you know really overblown exaggerations and and all of this converges and i and i just had a moment that uh, i think you know came from god's grace to say let myself really think what if this weren't true wouldn't i want to know that isn't that what i really care about at the end of the day i, I believe this because i think it's true but if it's not, gosh, shouldn't I really figure that out? And shouldn't I try and figure it out in a way that isn't like the way I'd been taught to know it's true, which was to pray and just wait for this emotional feeling to tell me it was true, but rather to sit down and think about it because things just aren't quite adding up. And, and that process you know, started me doing a lot of historical research and inquiry that ultimately led me out of out of Mormonism. Jeremy Christensen joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Rasinello. I admire you for that because, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Most people don't roll like that. Um, you were open. You see, like even within the Catholic Church, you know, people I've taught within the Catholic Church and you could I'll just use I'm just going to throw a random thing. 
You have to be in a state of grace to receive communion. This is a this is a perennial teaching of the church. It's in black and white. It's written down. People will look you square in the face and tell you no. And you're and you could approach them. You could show them the document and be like, what does it say? Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. But you were open to that. You see, I'm a, a firm believer in people have to be able, to, like the, the old saying, I'm the potter, you are the clay. God has to be able to mold us. If we're rigid, we'll never be molded in the image and likeness of God. I commend you for that. Yeah. I, I, honest to goodness, because that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing, talk about how you talked about feelings. And I'd like you to expand upon this. Feelings can deceive us in life. Expand on that because many people, like uh, Father Carapa, you say, feelings are like chemistry. They can explode. They can. <laughs> Talk about that because I think too many people live on feelings. Feelings are good, but there's a much deeper level. Yeah, so it, it really is important to understand the way that um, Mormon epistemology works. Epistemology being the, the way that you, the way that we think we know that we know things. And within Mormonism, and, and it's in their scripture, it kind of originates in the Book of Mormon. Toward the end of the book, uh, one of the sort of self-styled ancient American prophets who's writing in there says that anybody you know who reads this you should read it with a sincere heart and pray and ask god if it's true and if you ask god with a sincere heart having true intent he will manifest the truthfulness of it unto you by the power of the holy ghost and by the power of the holy ghost you can know the truth of all things and in in other uh purported revelations to joseph smith there's kind of more gloss on this that that god will cause uh, a burning in your bosom for you to know that something is right, to know that something is true. And so as a Mormon, you were taught growing up that there's, you know, there's a way that we get knowledge just kind of looking around and figuring things out. But there's a special kind of knowledge that we get through this particular manifestation. And that's a powerful idea if you believe that, right? If you're taught growing up and you, you have this feeling, and it's not a feeling either of you have not experienced uh, if you watch a movie and you, you you're watching Band of Brothers or something, or and you see somebody who does something heroic and and you choke up, you feel that swelling in your in your chest. You you might choke up a little bit. Uh, you feel this elevated emotional state. Everybody feels that, but uh, that kind of feeling is is taught for members of the LDS church, that when you have this and it coincides with you praying and asking God, is this true? Or should I do what the church leaders are telling me to do? Or, you know, should I go to this college? Or should I marry this person? That it is the Holy Spirit telling you that, yes, it's true. And so it, it is, you know, very emotion-based, that sort of thing. And, and, as you point out, our emotions can really lead us anywhere. Anybody can feel anything about any number of things, right? We feel people can do things that are wrong and feel great about them. People can do things that are right and feel bad about them. <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, I'll say, sometimes you walk into confession 
and you confess and you leave and you feel really great. And sometimes you go to confession and you confess and you come out and you don't feel anything. And sometimes you go to confession and you confess and you come out, and you don't feel very good. Uh, but that that is, I think, a good foil to the Catholic tradition, uh, which you know focuses on, say, the objectivity of the sacraments, right? The sacraments work in us whether we like it or don't like it or kind of see it or sense it or don't sense it. The, our Lord is really and truly present in the Eucharist as an objective matter, even though we can't sense it, absent some miraculous manifestation. And, and so, you know, that, that was a, a big shift for me going from a way of building the way I believe things based on how I feel to coming in contact with a tradition that said, the reason you're made in the likeness and image of God is because you have an intellect and a will. You are a rational animal. That is what makes you made in the image of God. God has given us that, that gift and that we have to, we have to use it. Right. And the, and the teaching of the Catholic church, right. Are, are very beautiful that um, the, the church teaches dogmatically that we can know not everything about God, certainly, but we can know that God exists through reason, through natural reason, without having to appeal even to revelation, that we can know certain things about the natural law through human reason that can be common to, across cultures and, and isn't dependent on God's you know, specific re revelation of things that we couldn't know, like the inner life of the Trinity or, the, or, or those sorts of things. So, you know, that was a a huge, I can't even say it big enough, monumental shift in um, how I approached the world. Jeremy Christensen, let me ask you this. This is a concept that either Catholics don't know about or are confused by. Um, I'm speaking specifically about The Dark Night of the Soul. You have two chapters in your book uh, titled The Dark Night of the Soul, Part mm -hmm. 1 and Part 2. What is it? And what was your experience uh, with the dark night of the soul? So I'll say one, uh, the phrase, the dark night of the soul comes from St. John of the cross. And I'm not an expert on St. John of the cross, but uh, you know, has to deal with, I think in general terms, times where we feel a spiritual desolation a distancing from God that we kind of need to go through in order to come out on the other side in our relationship with God. And in the book, I have a, a, a two-part kind of chapter that really explores just how hard and difficult it was to come to terms with Mormonism not being true. That, that was a very, very, very difficult thing and a very dark period of my life. Uh, I didn't want Mormonism to be false. I didn't want to leave the church. I had a wife. I had kids. Uh you know, I believed Mormonism with all my heart, with 100% sincerity. But I found out it really isn't true. Um, and that the things I had been taught were, were just not the case. And so I had that, you know, that period of, of really struggling to understand the, the universe, you know, it felt like the entire rug had been torn out from under me. Um, at that at that point as i explored you know really troubling aspects of early mormon history of of joseph smith's involvement in 
folk magic and the occult and how the Book of Mormon came out, uh, uh, problems with other Mormon sets of scriptures like the Book of Abraham, Joseph Smith's practice of polygamy, uh, and some of the efforts that the church at one period you know, took to really suppress that kind of information and discourage their members from from confronting that history. And that, that was a the most difficult time of my life. Well, thank you for that, Jeremy. That's one thing I will say about, you know, my limited knowledge of, you know, again, I'm not a theologian, I'm not, I'm not a scholar of church history, but I know this, the church really, everything's out there. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, you know, the people, the critics will say, well, they suppress it. No, no, no. I, I kind of know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. Uh, of 2000 years of church history. Um, and uh, so, and, and it's something that, you know, we should be, we should be able to look soberly and, and clearly at, at, you know, our past as, let's say, uh, as a church and say, hey, this is where the ch- men and women in the church uh, acted as Christ would want them to. And this is when they did not um, and be honest about it and and talk about it and move forward. So thank you for that. I was kind of like, I've always been a little bit confused about the dark night of the soul. Like, well, what is that? St. John of the Cross. I don't know anything about him. Um, Jeremy Christensen joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe, uh, Joe Rissinello, where do you want to go? Again, we talked to a lot of different people, and um, again, hearkening back to my friend Marcus Grodi on his show, I'm a big fan. I've watched a million of his episodes. Um, a lot of Protestants, when they kind of make that jump to Rome, um, they always have issues with, say, Mary. Uh, as a Mormon, what was yours? You know, like, because, I mean, it's different. I mean, like, you know, we have, like, uh, we have the Bible, we have the magisterium, we have tradition. There's a lot of different things that like are unique to the Catholic church that, you know, when compared to other, you know, faith traditions are very different. Were there any issues that you had to really work on or have good conversations with, you know, uh, a very holy, you know, priest or nun that could kind of walk you through them? You know, I definitely, I had my issues. I will say most of my theological issues I worked out on my own before I ever talked to a priest. Um, I spent about a year, you know, it started when I first learned about the church fathers and, and I had never heard of them. And I started reading and exploring that. And that's how I got interested in Catholicism in the first place. Uh, And then I spent a long time reading the fathers, I read most, I had read most of the catechism by the time I ever had even gone to mass. Um, and so I, I had worked through a lot of them. I will say during that period, I started to kind of, <laughs> it was like I was doing something wrong. I wasn't hiding it exactly from my wife. She actually was supportive of me becoming Catholic because once she could see it in my life, she saw it was a good thing. She would always say, it felt like I got my husband back. You know, that dark night of the soul was a dark time. And all of a sudden, it felt like I was kind of returning to normalcy. But, but it, you know, I, I ordered a rosary. It's not a thing in Mormonism, right? And sort of sneaking it around, <laughs> sitting in my office downstairs, <laughs> fumbling through, you know, trying to pray, learn liturgical kind of prayer or 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 the vocal prayer that's used in Catholicism. Uh, getting used to statuary. Um, and and that kind of devotion was definitely a change. I at first I actually spent a good amount of time exploring Eastern Catholicism, uh, and I actually considered becoming an Eastern Rite Catholic. I ultimately decided against it, but and and so I I initially just 
I don't know what it was culturally. It was hard for me to, you know, deal with statues at first, but I was all right. I was like these icons. I don't, I don't really see these around because it's not quite as culturally prominent in the West. Um, but so, so not theologically that I had a problem with it. I think the theology of it was very easy for me to accept, but you know, the first time I said a hail Mary or asked for the intercession of a saint, it felt weird and awkward. <laughs> it's just it's like I'm by myself. No one's telling me how to do this. I'm just kind of sorting it out by myself. And that's a weird thing when when you, you know, when you grow up being taught like that's actually wrong. That's not just a weird thing to do. You know, you you can't pray uh to Mary. You can't ask her to intercede for you. You can't do that. So so those things were a bit of a challenge, but um but you are right in that when I first met up with uh, with the priest at the parish that I was going to, and we would meet on Saturday mornings and talk through things, most of which were pastoral in nature, like how do I become a Catholic when my wife and my kids are all still Mormon, and how do I deal with that? Uh, you know, he came loaded for bear, ready to talk about you know a lot standard Protestant objections, but Mormons don't believe in sola scriptura. And Mormons believe in a visible church. The church is a visible thing. And Mormons believe in a hierarchical authority within the church. That Mormons believe that the that the president of the LDS church holds the keys of the kingdom that were given to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Um, you know, and then there are things that are kind of similar. You know, Mormons believe that John the Beloved was... Uh, kind of like translated, that he didn't die, that he was sort of translated uh, into heaven. And so I was like, well, you know, I mean, I believe that for a long time. Why wouldn't I believe in, in the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary? Like if anybody else is going up to heaven, surely you would think it would be the mother of our Lord. Um, so so it was kind of funny. He had come prepared, you know, ready to rumble on on standard Protestant issues that aren't really hangups for, for members of the LDS Church. I, I well, let me let me put it like this. Um, there are definitely some stumbling blocks coming into the church. Sure. Now, you mentioned that things were, um, you know, things that you 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 certain things were 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 uh, brought out into the public as far as the history of the the LDS and everything else. So people left. Now a lot of people left the church, the Catholic Church, because in our lifetimes we've seen a tremendous amount of corruption. That's that's not a scandalous thing to say. That's just a, that's just a plain old fact. There's yep. been many times in church history where the church, you know, in its human element, has become has had a, a level of corruption that's 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 uh, a little bit too high. Okay, mm. um, and we're seeing that in the last let's say 60, 70 years, whatever the case would be, and that's been an, a reason and an excuse that a lot of people have left the church. But yet you came into the church, so you see that in Mormonism. What was your view coming into the church as far as, well, the obvious corruption that's, you know, amongst amongst church members right now? Yeah, so that, that's a great question, because I, th I think there are a couple of issues. One, I would say as a general matter, I've tended to see when you find people who read their way into the Catholic Church, that we often aren't quite as as perturbed by the historical troubles that have existed in a church that is 2000 years old. And, you know, I was certainly aware of, of those kinds of issues. 
um, I, I think one distinguishing factor with Mormonism is that there is something unique about the problem. So it's not just that, you know, Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. That's not actually the problem. I mean, there were some bad popes, right? <laughs> there, there were some, you know, popes doing really scandalous bad things. That's not the problem. It's not that Joseph Smith that I expected him to be perfect. Rather, you know, no one's claiming that, that, uh, you know, the Catholic Church teaches, heaven forbid, that the child abuse is a good thing, right? Everybody knows it doesn't matter where anyone falls on any part of the Catholic spectrum of all the divisions that exist in Catholicism. uh, Everyone knows that's wrong and it's bad and it's a scandal and it is terrible to the moral authority of the church and it harms innocent victims and needs to be eradicated. But that's different from the claim in Mormonism, for instance, that Joseph Smith said, God revealed to me that the church is to practice polygamy. It's how you get to heaven. That was the teaching of the LDS church for for a long time, that you had to practice polygamy in order to go to heaven. Uh, so, so there's like that doctrinal, you know, difference um, uh, that that I think is is significant. All that said, you know, I decided I would get baptized. I was in a hotel room in Las Vegas in July of 2018, uh, just kind of sitting by myself and decided. I'd been studying a lot, doing all these things, and I thought I'm, I'm going to do it. When I get back, I'm going to I'm going to tell the priest that we're going to do this. I'm going to get baptized, um, and it was. Some stuff had come out a little bit earlier. I think it was in June, but honestly, it was like the same week. I say the dates in the book. I don't remember. It was very close. You know, boom, the McCarrick stuff just blew up, you know, and that was I had friends when I told them, I was like, I'm becoming Catholic. I'm like, really? You're really going to become Catholic? And, you know, that's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing as a parent who has kids and, you know, who you know that your kids are going to be exposed exposed to the world of Catholicism. And it's not easy to explain to your children that, that, uh, you know, bad people exist in, in, even in something that is the body of Christ on earth, that there are bad people running around in it. And, um, you know, but, but I, I just think that over the course of history, uh, the Catholic Church has gone through a lot of things, you know, and has passed through the, the many, many, you know, really people probably don't appreciate what a huge crisis the Arian crisis really was in the fourth century. As Jerome says, you know, we awoke to find and, to, and moaned to find the world Arian. Most of the bishops in the world were Arian at the time right espousing a heresy so correct me if i'm correct me if i'm wrong jeremy that arianism or semi-arianism lasted for centuries yeah lasted a very very long time nicaea did not put it to rest and constantinople you know in 381 which dealt with the divinity of the holy spirit was still just kind of another version right it's kind of the leftovers of the arian or semi-arian camp wanting to say all right well we lost uh, about uh about uh our lord but we want to hold out something as to the spirit to to pry him out of the, the divine nature um 
and th those things do last. And it, and I think it's to some level the way that I think about, you know, the, the Catholic Church is a chaotic place right now. I'm, I won't lie. Um, and, but our, our, our life, our role um, is not going to have a whole lot to do with that. Like one day I'm going to die. That is a, that is, you know, a certainty. I'm going to die and I'm going to go before God and I'm going to be judged. And, you know, what scandals other people were causing are probably not going to be um, much of a topic as much as me, right? And that, that's not to say we shouldn't want things to change and do the things that are within the power of lay Catholics to, to make those changes. And I'm speaking, you know, specifically with respect to the, the atrocity of, of child abuse and other kinds of sexual abuse that are going on. Uh, but it's to say that, you know, the world's going to march on and the church really does move in centuries, not years that, that uh, we, we, everyone has lived through a time in the Catholic church that I am sure appeared chaotic to them. And yeah, I, I, I really think that that's what people have to keep in mind. This is a 2,000-year-old church, number one. Number two, it, it has a human element. Um, like every other church or non-church organization, there's corruption yeah. everywhere. And um, and I, I really, really appreciate your take on it. Jeremy, we could talk to you for a really long time. Unfortunately, though, this is radio, and we're out of time. Okay? <laughs> no um, but uh, the book that, uh, that Jeremy Christensen has written is From the Susquehanna to the Tiber, a memoir of conversion from Mormonism to the Roman Catholic Church. We encourage you all to go out there and buy the book, buy it from Ignatius Press. Let's support our Catholic publishers. Jeremy Christensen, thank you for coming on the show, and you are welcome here anytime, brother. Thank you much, Joe and Joe. It's been a great time talking with you both. Thank you very much, and thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith of the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. Share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And if you like Joe and I and what we do, our live social media show goes on on Mondays at The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube, primarily The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. And wherever you see us, hit a like, a subscribe, a share, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.